They never tell you that. Grace, they never lead with that. Who is like teaching you about Emily Dickinson? Everyone should have been. Hi, thanks for listening to Under Our Roof. Welcome back. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Grace. And you are joining us for another episode of The Simple Gay Old Life at Home, brought to you, not sponsored by, but brought to you this evening by two little cans of can. Uh, This is a cannabis-infused beverage, and we are recording this again on a Friday night. And Lizzie and I were like, should we have a can and do this episode? And we were like, yes, yeah, we should. Um, yeah, if Can wants to sponsor this podcast, we will gladly accept. But we just genuinely really That'd like be these. The dream. I don't think they sell them a lot of places because there's a lot of regulations, of it's, course. It's basically like a mild cocktail, but with THC rather than alcohol is what I would say. Yeah, very so like I don't low want, dose. I don't want to get any, anyone's hopes up. We're not going to be like, this is not a stoned podcast, although I'm absolutely open to doing some type of like stoner content in the future. That's just not what we're doing. We're just cheersing to you. And if you live in an area where you find can and you partake in THC, then I would recommend it because it's been very pleasant for us. And I think we want to have like a a chill mindset going into this episode because we're talking about something that potentially could be perhaps anxietizing, maybe a little bit stressful. Well, I hope not. That's definitely not the intention. But the topic is going to be motivation and getting started and I'm stressed (laughs) ways of (laughs) ways of, I guess, working smarter and ways of doing hard work in a way that's meaningful and consistent and setting yourself up for success. Yes. Lizzie and I have two really different approaches to motivation and really different productivity, whatever that means to you. And so we thought because we received a query letter on the subject that it could be worthwhile to sit down with some can. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I cannot stress enough. Not sponsored. Just like with Disney plus we are not sponsored, (laughs) not sponsored by can, but that's what we're bringing to you on this episode. But before we get into that, we received a new review of the podcast and we always read every single review. So if right now you want to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast, you might hear your own review on an upcoming episode. So lady, we don't read every single one on the podcast just because we're lucky enough to have enough that that would be a lot of reading of reviews, but we like to highlight some of them. And we we might read it. And we might read yours. Uh, So we got a new one from Ollie. I hope I'm saying that name right. Ollie says, my favorite podcast. I heard about this podcast through TikTok and I love it so much. As a Christian who identifies as bisexual, I find this podcast to be so comforting, wholesome, and welcoming. I've been binging it over the past couple of days and I've loved every second. Oh, thank you so much. That's so nice. So should we get into the query letter that we got? Yeah. I like where we are when we drive in your car. Tell me a little bit about this. You can always send us a query letter, by the way, by emailing underourroofpod at gmail.com. So we love to hear from you. And this query letter, I think, is from a, a little ways back, lady. 
Uh, it's from earlier this month. Yeah, so sometimes we'll get query letters and we will just save them for an episode that makes sense, or we'll do a roundup where we answer a bunch all at once. But I thought this one was worth its own episode. So this is from Lauren. Lauren says, in one of the earlier episodes when speaking about Enneagrams, Grace briefly spoke about productivity and getting started. As a fellow type nine, this really struck a chord with me as I see myself struggling with motivation and productivity, especially now during lockdowns and with online classwork needing to be a priority. Mm. Just wondering if either of you have any tips or tricks that have worked for you when finding motivation and or avoiding the spiral of bad well-being when said motivation slash productivity is non-existent. Wow, I relate to that question. And for a little background on Enneagrams, we, I think it was episode two, talked about our respective Enneagram types. I have found that knowing your Enneagram type is really fascinating and can just teach you a lot about yourself and other people in your life if you know their type. Grace is a type nine, which as this query letter kind of hints, type nines are a wonderful type, but they tend to struggle with motivation at times Mm -hmm. um, and can kind of lean towards the status quo of life rather than wanting to rock the boat, which is kind of ironic because your MO lately (laughs) has been rocking the boat, making waves. Yeah, but I think that what people might not be aware of is it's like bouts of rocking boat and then also, you know, maybe a day of just lethargy. Yeah, and people don't always see that. Right, I I I don't advertise it intentionally (laughs) on online when I'm like, hello, friends, I have not gotten dressed. But I think it's good to talk about this. And I think we both do have a lot of thoughts on productivity and motivation and getting started. And I think our thoughts are very different because we're very different people, especially in this regard. So do you want to do you have any general tips? Yeah, I have some written down, but I'll let you start. Okay, well, the the first point I want to make, which I, I hope isn't like too much of a bummer, But just so that we're all very mindful, all the house guests, everyone listening in, that productivity and feeling that your self-worth is tied to being productive in a workforce type of way is a myth of capitalism. So just bear that in mind that you are not valuable because of what you produce or your role in the workforce. That's that is has nothing to say about you as a person, your character, your dreams, and your aspirations are separate from that, which uh, became sort of conditioned in all of us because we, we grew up in capitalism. But so. I think something you just said hints at the real moral of this, which is aspirations. Like right. your aspirations yeah. and dreams and goals are separate from the work that you might feel like you have to do day to day just, mm-hmm. you know, to pay the bills and stuff. And ideally, that work can also be fulfilling. But even if it isn't, I want to say that a lot of these tips are geared towards helping you achieve your aspirations that may not be tied at all to making money. Or maybe they are, yeah. which is great, too. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, I'm thinking about Lauren's question about motivation and getting started. And the first thing that comes to mind is a concept that I don't know where I got it from. I don't know if I heard it somewhere, but I don't think so. Um, That I just started bearing in mind a lot over the past year, which is the concept of inertia. And if you ever took physics, which I did, sadly, I remember 
crying, literally crying at the kitchen table in high school, trying to do my physics homework. And my mom cried too. Inertia is the concept that something that's moving, an object in motion stays in motion, an object at rest stays at rest. I have really found that concept, just kind of meditating on it to be so helpful on getting started and motivating myself because it even though I don't want to promote a hustle culture, because I really don't believe in that, this isn't about just being busy for the sake of being busy. It's about making things happen that I dearly want to happen. And sometimes if I just cannot get started and I'm staring at my phone or I'm aimlessly kind of doing busy work tasks around the house and not actually tackling something that's a bit harder but very worthwhile to do, I think about, oh, the longer I wait to start this, the more kind of entrenched I get, the more inertia is working against me and the harder it's going to be to start. Just start. And then once you get started, your inertia of being in motion will continue to push you forward. It really is so much easier to keep going than it is to start a lot of the time. I mean, if you're going, if you're doing something really difficult, and I realize a lot of these concepts are kind of abstract, but if you're working on something that's really hard, then it can be hard to keep going. But most of the time, starting a project is this negative force of inertia, of standing still, literally or metaphorically, that's hard to overcome. But then once you do and you get moving, you'll keep moving most of the time. And I think that reminding myself of that, if I feel as though, oh, I just don't have the motivation, I just don't feel like it, reminding myself, well, you're never really going to feel like it until you're already going, until you're already moving on this project or this goal or dream. So for you, as an Enneagram 9, if somebody were asking, which they are through this query letter, what do you do when you need to start a project, whether it's because you have an actual deadline or you just know, you know, for a preacher's kid, nobody mm-hmm. was holding you to a deadline for that. You were just self-motivated. So for that, what did you do when you felt not really in the mood to get started, but you knew there was this goal and dream that you wanted to accomplish that required work? I honestly think that just because of me and how temperamental and moody I can be with regards to projects. Sometimes I wonder if I had not released Jesus from Texas as the single, if it had not done sort of well in the sense that I was encouraged to continue, I feel like that was a huge motivational factor for me was that I am so sensitive and often sort of unsure of myself and I do not like rocking the boat that having the feedback from people that I was on to something, Mm -hmm. you know, that Jesus from Texas was, you know, by far my most vulnerable writing and I was kind of nervous to put it out there and I just shared it on SoundCloud at first and hearing from trusted voices that it resonated, you know, that, that people felt that they saw themselves in it and that it offered a sense of comfort and connection that was really motivating for me. So the the funny thing about Jesus from Texas, too, is because I think you can almost hear that I'm at the end of my rope a little bit creatively because the whole th- song is not in time. There are whole swaths of it that is not in you time. You always focus on this, and I don't think other people really <laughs> notice. Well, don't set it to a timer because you will be rudely awakened to this truth that 
I wrote this song and I just wanted to get something out there because I hadn't put out a song in a while, I think. I hadn't, yeah, I don't think I'd put out a song in a few months. And so I was like, oh, I just got to finish this. And I, and I was really inspired by this situation. I'd written, writing songs is like every day for me. It's the recording that is really tedious, that drives me crazy. That's what I have to force myself to do. Like what Lizzie was just saying, like just open, I was thinking about like, you know, I have to open the project file. Opening the project file and getting started is really the the big threshold for me and tapping it out, figuring out what the BPM is and all that stuff. And I think that for Preacher's Kid, I saw that Jesus from Texas did well. And then I became sort of curious to like continue this work in songwriting. I know I set a deadline and I told a few people privately about the deadline. I said a few people that I was going to release it in early February. And then once I told a few people privately, people I really trust and admire and I care about their opinion, then I think that was very motivating for me because I didn't want to let them down. I didn't want to let you down. Me? I told, yeah. You wouldn't have. I know, but I didn't want to, you know, I feel like you've seen, you've seen demo projects and EPs that never happened that I talked about before. And I know that I got into a major rut like many of us did in quarantine, and I didn't want to repeat that. So I think I told I told you, I know I told Molly, Reed, Tina, probably Darren. Like, there were other people that I spoke to about this pretty privately, though. Yeah. But they're people I really cared about. And so I think telling them held me accountable because I didn't want them to ask or even worse like not ask mm, but know yeah. that they knew so i think it was jesus from texas was m- motivation from the outside that like no you have something to say you should be confident in what you're working on and then from the inside was people that are too nice to ever yell at me <laughs> but would know if i didn't meet my goal. Yeah, I think accountability can be a tool. It does not work for everybody. And you have to be able to trust the people that are holding you accountable. I think it can backfire if you're holding if you're making yourself be accountable to people that you feel would judge you. But I think overall, an accountability buddy is a great idea if you have like, let's say you want to write something Mm -hmm. and you also have another friend that's a writer you could say, hey, are you working on anything? When do you want to have it done by? This is what I'm working on and when I want to have it done by. Let's hold each other accountable and check in. I have a few tips and tricks and pieces of advice. I'm far from perfect, but I think it's okay to name things that we're good at. And for me, working hard and motivation, I'm pretty good at actually. I think I hold myself to a really hard standard. So I think I'm not I'm not great at it. I have to motivate myself all the time. It doesn't come naturally. But I think by most people's standards, I'm actually pretty good at motivating myself. I think it's a few things. So one big lesson is that little things really add up, which I know sounds like the most basic thing in the world. It's worth saying that things like my blog, for instance, which I've talked about a bunch and how it's just a hobby. This is not a success story of a professional blogger, nor was that ever my goal. But my goal was to be a legitimate blogger and have a blog full of posts spanning over years, lots of memories, pictures, recipes, et cetera, et cetera, and something that I love and I'm proud of. And I have definitely accomplished that. 
And it's from being consistent little by little. One blog post is a drop in the ocean in terms of a body of work, but it takes a lot of time. One blog post, I've spent hours on single posts easily. And there's other ones that I could bang out in an hour because it's something short with a couple of photos and then just hit publish. But for the most part, I pour in a few hours to every post usually, and yet adding one post to my blog doesn't really make a big difference. You know, it's just one more post. So if I started out, I think when I shared publicly my blog, I only had five posts because I wrote a few posts before sharing it. So there was something for people to read when I shared the, the website. Five posts, it's like not a lot. And then you know, the next week there were six or seven, the next week there were 10 after a month or something. But now there's hundreds because I kept up with that. And so little by little, you put in a ton of work and it doesn't seem like it's made a difference, but consistency and time is what actually makes things grow. And I think if you're a metaphor person, I like the metaphor of you can't just plant seeds and dump a bucket of water on them. Even if over a month's time you would pour out a bucket's worth little by little, you have to have the ingredient of time and consistency. Mm. If you dump the whole bucket on the on the seeds the first day, they might get washed out and not even grow. And either way, if you don't water them the rest of the month, they're not going to grow. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think about that with myself and music. Um, I'm so grateful for the support that I found, especially recently, but I did not always feel like that was the case. I think especially in my personal life for many people, not not for everybody, but for a lot of people, it was a little strange. It was like, we've never known you to do this. What is Semler? What is Selmer? Like, how do you pronounce Selmer. it? Yeah, that's usually what um, what people would mispronounce, which again, is, is totally f- fine. I understand. But I think that if I had stopped releasing music after, what was the, the first thing? that I released was, was it of the things that matter? But there's like another, I did like a Selena Gomez cover that sounded like Nirvana. And I don't know where that, oh, there's something that she doesn't know. That was a release. Yeah. So any roundabout way of saying like, these are all things that like, were from 2014 or 15. And if I had stopped releasing music, then I was like, oh, it's not working. I'm clearly just a bad songwriter. If I had not continued methodically, just like writing little Mm -hmm. by little, trying to get better, teaching myself different things on different instruments, then yeah, I I mean, Preacher's Kid would have never happened. And and some of that I think also is just sort of innate passion, especially from an Enneagram 9 way. It's like, I can't help but write songs. I'm too sensitive. Like I, I would never have, I couldn't have stopped, but releasing and pursuing it as like an artist in a more public way, that is where motivation comes in. The the passion is always there, but it's finding tangible, practical tools that makes just strategically more of a difference in putting myself out there in a way that is meaningful so that other people can find what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, people aren't just like looking up like, what is grace? What is Semler doing? You know, you have to put yourself out there. And in doing that, there there is a strategy to it. And you have to create artwork. And there's so many little things behind the scenes that I had to get motivated to do. And it, I think for me, it was deadlines and accountability and building in plenty of time for resting. 
Yeah, resting is key. And actually blocking it off, not just assuming it'll happen. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Okay, I'm going to do a few rapid fire kind of short tips and tricks. One thing is if you just cannot get started on something, set a 25-minute timer. I mean, at some point you have to make yourself do things. There's no magic to that. But if you feel like I can't make myself do this, set a 25-minute timer and work on it for 25 minutes. And when the timer goes off, you don't have to keep doing it. But in my experience, that 25 minutes, which is so short, not even half an hour, is enough where I'm now thinking, okay, this isn't so bad. I can do this. I've made headway. The huge mental block is gone. I think timers in general are really, really helpful. Setting alarms on your phone. Grace mentioned that I make a one sheet every day. I've talked about that on the podcast, I think, before. But basically, I'll kind of write out my outlook for the day. I do write it on paper. I know plenty of people use electronic, which is great if that works for you. But I'll write if it's anybody's birthday, I'll write kind of my general mood and a motivation, a meditation, a prayer, something like that to kind of guide my day. It's really not that deep. That sounds more deep than it even is. It's like a phrase. And then I'll have my to-do list. I mean, just a basic to-do list, which I typically kind of circle my top three that have to get done and then try to put other things in order. But something that I actually just started doing this week, and I don't know how I thought of this. I, I did not see it anywhere, but it just occurred to me and it really helped is that I'll make a diagram of things that I have to do pointing towards something that I really want to do and I get to do when all of it's done. And it's honestly childlike, the kind of motivation that I sometimes need, but it'll be something like, okay, I have five tasks that I have to get done before I kick back and watch Dickinson with Grace. With a can. With a can. So that will be written down, that end goal, whatever it is, you know, working on one of my hobbies for fun or sitting down to watch a movie or a show with Grace or something like that. That'll be at the bottom of the page you know, circled. That's what I get to what I get to do later. And then I'll have my to do list as little arrows pointing, okay, when this one gets crossed off, do that one. That one's crossed off, arrow goes to the next one. And then eventually the arrows lead down to the thing that I want to do. Oh, so you've turned it into a game. Yeah. You've literally turned it into a game. And that's really made a difference. I mean, the other thing is honestly switching up your strategy on motivation. If you try to do yeah. the same tools for motivation constantly, your brain will reject it because you're bored not stop for death he kindly stopped for me the carriage i also just want to say we just watched the season one finale of dickinson we were supposed to talk about this at the top of the show but we got so excited wow i'm enjoying this show a lot I was kind of on the fence initially. Jane Krakowski is just so funny. She's phenomenal. And it is queer content for you to consider. The main reason why I'm tuning into season two is because I think there will be more queer content. There we were will. kind of left on a, on a cliffhanger. I feel like all the lesbians on my timeline are talking about season two, which Did gives me know faith. Emily Dickinson was so gay. Yeah. They never tell you that. They never tell you that. Grace, they never lead with that. Who is like teaching you about Emily Dickinson? Everyone should have been but, earlier. Okay. I'm just when saying I was in general. Younger, I don't, a, an English teacher, a music teacher, ma- my math teacher could have told me about Emily Dickinson and I would have appreciated that. This is what I would say. I agree with you. The gay thing should have been. They should have. Should have been led with. Huge. But 
I will admit, I know the name Emily Dickinson, but I never studied anything of hers. I did. Okay. I well, read poems of hers. You grew up in Europe. They're more cultured. Yeah. Well, Even though Emily <laughs> Dickinson is American. Yeah, I know. I was like, she's an American poet. I just like, why have I not seen that like, uh, that tin type photo that really where, you know, where they couldn't smile in old timey photos because it they would move the frame, you know, like the mm-hmm. image would become blurry. There's that one photo of Emily Dickinson that we all know. How come I've never seen that on like with a pride flag behind it on a t-shirt? Like, how have I never seen that at a pride festival? Like, why Why don't I see people cosplaying as Emily Dickinson at Pride? Why have I never seen they that? They probably are. Well, they should be. After this after show, the, they definitely after will After this be. year, I'd like to see more <laughs> okay. of that. And I want someone to... Should we... Oh, my gosh. Should we go as Emily Dickinson and Sue Gilbert for Halloween this year? Sure. Who do you want to be? I know. It's hard because they all wore dresses. <laughs> they look the same in the show in terms of yeah. their look and everything. They look exactly the same. Because I don't think there were a lot of options for what they would wear and stuff. I'm open to discussing this more. I would go as Emily Dickinson when she dressed up as a boy to go to the lecture. That's what I was picturing. Yeah. We should do that. But Sue did too. Yeah. That's fine. I, I mean, hate top you, hats. You don't like top hats? No. I no. mean, I've never worn one, but I wouldn't well, even for a costume. You try it. Okay, that was an interesting little break. Carriage Hill. And just ourselves. And immortality. Here, here this is, I don't know if any Enneagram 9s can relate. Time is a construct <laughs> for me. It's not real. There's no deadline there's no time frame like we're all just living on a floating rock you know paying bills and figuring it out so for me time in the traditional sense is a little bit more complicated however if i know that a day like the only thing i have to do on this day from 12 a.m to 12 p.m or that 11 (laughs) p.m Just waking up at midnight, <laughs> ready to work ready straight to work. until noon. <laughs> straight until noon, and then I'm out. Is actually something I would do. Honestly, um, yeah. Yeah, it is actually kind of my, my workflow to a T. But what I'm saying is that what's been helpful for me, if you are like myself where time is not real, it's a construct and you don't need it, just like gender, um, then I would recommend, if you can, finding a day, whether it's like a day of your weekend or for me, I've been really dedicating Mondays to just working on music. Like music the only Mondays. thing I have on Mondays is music. I'm not going to do any sort of like interviews or any other sort of tasks as best as I can help it. I'm just going to focus on recording music. And so far, that's been helpful. And I also found two other days this week that I was able to to work on um, music stuff. Yeah, I think having knowing that you have a dedicated time for something, whether it's your mornings are set aside for one task or one project or whether it's an entire day, then anything else is gravy. And that's kind of a nice feeling. You know you have your dedicated time. And if you end up finding extra time, then it doesn't feel as desperate. It doesn't feel like, oh, I finally got some time. Any extra time is... Just gravy on top. Yeah. Hi, house guests. This is Grace. I'm editing the podcast right now, and you should know that there is a spoiler coming up for WandaVision. So if you would like to miss that, skip on ahead to 27 minutes and 55 seconds, and uh, we'll jump right into the conversation from there. Thank you so much. It's random. I know. Do you ever feel like 
Do you ever feel like a plastic bag? Okay. Drifting through the wind, wanting to start again. Is this, the thing about that lyric is everyone made fun of Katy Perry, but I have felt that way. It's highly relatable. It's really is. No, but what I was going to say is, do you ever feel like you're almost in an episode of a TV show and there's a theme for the episode and the same kind of theme keeps coming up in your life again and again? WandaVision? No. It sounds like you're describing WandaVision. No. Okay. You know how in a show let's say the f- there will be a theme of an episode that's kind of, you yeah. know, loss or hope or whatever it is. And like different- my husband died and I created a whole village in my mind okay. through witchcraft to bring my husband You're- back. You cannot put that in the episode. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Why not? Spoilers for WandaVision. Oh, shoot. Never mind. That's not what happens in WandaVision. Okay. Anyway, basically, I have been having the same thing in my life come up several times, which is this message that I've gotten from a bunch of different sources about how the real reason that you're not getting the things done that you want to get done, and this is speaking to myself, is because you're afraid to get them done and afraid of failing at the things that you desperately want to do. And when I first heard that, I completely rejected it. I was, I just did not agree at all. I just thought, no, I I have goals, I have dreams. All I want is to achieve them. There's no fear holding me back. I'm more afraid of not getting the chance to achieve them Mm. than I am achieving them and it not going perfectly. The more I've kind of sat with that concept, the more I actually have to agree that it's really true. The number of times that I don't have that much on my plate for the day, let's say I have four tasks that I have to get done And then lastly, I want to work on a project or a hobby that I really want to do. Mm -hmm. It's like I don't have that much to do, but I'll somehow weirdly stretch those four must-do tasks to take up the whole day. And I know that they did not need to take up the whole day, but I swear it is because I'm afraid of finally getting time to work on stuff for me and have me time. And it being bad or it not me not being as talented as I think I could be me not being inspired I think I've had to really accept recently that I am sometimes afraid to dive into my goals Mm. because it's easier which I I would have thought that was just a cheap sort of poetic statement a few months ago but now I actually do believe it that we can be afraid of. It's kind of that Marianne Williamson quote. Um, <laughs> what is, it's something which like, one? we're not, it's the thing that is on Grey's Anatomy, I swear, and it's everywhere. It's the quote that's, oh my gosh. Our greatest that... fear is not that we're inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we're talented beyond our wildest dreams. I know whatever. that movie from, what was it like? Keep, that movie. Keeping Up with the Titans or something. What yeah, it's used. The, so much but uh, what it is, is it's by a, it's a basketball movie samuel l jackson oh samuel l jackson is on my list for later really yeah well maybe we should get into it okay or do you want to do you have any other yeah i'm never i'm never gonna remember the name of that movie it's a I... basketball movie with samuel l jackson and if you people are probably screaming the name i know right now. if you know the name of this movie then i am going to give you my respect that is the <laughs> prize that you will win on this episode of what's the name of our podcast? i was gonna be like keeping up with the house guests it's <laughs> under under our roof 
Are you high? I'm really not. I was about to say, I you haven't even had half of your drink. Don't worry about it. Okay. I'm just feeling loose. Good. It's our Friday evening recording time. I'm loose. I've given some mediocre advice on motivation, but I feel a kinship with Lauren, the person who asked the question. Really identify with Lauren. Well, you're both Enneagrams 9. And Lauren... Enneagram 9. Yeah. Enneagrams 9. <laughs> Grace had an idea that it might be kind of inspiring... It's a little cheesy, yes, but we love we love cheesy. To end this episode with some examples of people who had late in life success. Because time is what? <laughs> okay. A construct. It is a, yes. Well, it's not real. If if you feel as though it's too late for me or I'm too young, I'm too inexperienced or whatever. Well, yeah, either that or I'm too old, my time has passed. Exactly. Me by. All of that is false. It's a lie. It is. I remember when I was studying for the California bar exam, which is definitely one of the hardest I've ever had to work. I heard this quote and it became kind of my mantra. And the ironic thing is I can't totally remember the exact wording now, but it was something like... Powerful quote. You can start late with less and still succeed. Because I always felt like I was behind where my peers were with studying, getting through the right. modules of the study course and stuff. So you can start late and and start with less and you can succeed. You just can. That is a fact. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioning Samuel L. Jackson is funny because he's on my list of some late in life successes. He had his first movie role at age 43. Come on. That's for real? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And... Alan Rickman is on my list for the same reason. He has passed away, but you probably remember him from Love Actually and, of course, Harry Potter franchise. He had his first movie role at 46. That's incredible. Yeah. That's very I cool. do think stuff like that's super inspiring. I have a few others. Oh, I have a, I just have a, a little query for the house guests who are listening. Okay. Because you brought up Alan Rickman. Yeah. I saw a TikTok today, y'all, that... Um, Gen Z doesn't care about Harry Potter, and I don't really care about Harry Potter that much, but I just was wondering if that's true, because I know for millennials, it's like a major touch point, waiting in line, getting all the Harry Potter books or whatever, and um, JK Rowling aside, because good grief, but I wonder if people from Gen Z who might be listening can weigh in, because I'm just kind of curious, like, did you grow up with those books at all? Are your friends reading them or whatever? Anyway, that's just, just a theory. Yeah. I feel like it probably depends somewhat on if they had, if they possibly had millennial siblings. Oh, uh, interesting. Because I do think for our age, we're younger millennials and we have siblings in some cases, in my case, who are technically Gen Z, mm-hmm. I think. I think my little sister is Gen Z. Yeah, she is. So we're kind of both on the cusp, I guess. And. I'm just I saying, feel I like my sister cares because she had older siblings oh. who grew up with it. I don't think a generation will ever care more about Harry Potter than millennials. Let's no. put it that way. Some other people who had late in life successes that I thought were very cool. Mm-hmm. Julia Child. She worked in advertising for most of her life. And at age 50, she had her cooking TV show. Began at age wow. 50. Wow. She started mm-hmm. her cooking show at 50. That's mm-hmm. very cool. Another one. I won't say the name at first. I'll say that this is someone who wanted to be an Olympic figure skater. That was her dream. That was what she was working towards. Mm -hmm. But she failed to make the team and her dreams were crushed. So at that point, you're thinking, well, that is too late. You're not going to make the Olympic team. And yes, she didn't make the Olympic team, but she went into fashion at age 40 and her name was or is (laughs) 
Vera Wang. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. I know. I think I always hear about her as a later in life success story. But I think what's really cool too about her story is that she thought she was going to do something totally different. And was if she was potential Olympic mm-hmm. level, then she was clearly excellent at that sport. And then to not make the team. And there's so many people who have a similar story, I think, because yeah. stuff like that when you're at the upper echelon is so competitive. And then not making it, you feel like that's the end of your dream. But I mean, Vera Wang is an icon, one of the best fashion designers of all time. On a way lower level, I came to the US to play basketball. The reason why I was applying to US schools was because I wanted to play basketball in college. And you did. real real quick before I tore my ACL. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) technically I did. But then I I tore my ACL. And I had a full blown meltdown. And um, for reasons regarding that, and also not related to that. And my life took a really different turn. I moved to LA to be a comedian, because I was not comfortable with myself. So I (laughs) wanted to make jokes about myself. And now look at me. What the hell do I do now? <laughs> I'm just saying that like life life comes at you really fast. And I think that it really can be quite a gift to try and be open and receptive to the many twists and turns and the many facets of yourself that you will come to know in what I hope will be a very long lifetime. Okay, two more. Okay. Late in life success. I might be a little high, actually, at this point. Yeah, you seem like it a little bit. But in a fun way. I don't think I am at all. You think they'll find it fun, the episode? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, last two. Ray Kroc, who I didn't know. I fully have never heard this name. I know, but... That's a made-up name. Did he invent Crocs? No, he invented McDonald's. He invented... Why didn't he just call it... I think it was... He bought a individual burger and shake store that was called mcdonald's and then Who is he McDonald's? franchised it i don't know maybe i should have done more research but apparently the person that's credited with creating what mcdonald's is today bought the little burger and shake franchise at age 52 yeah but who's mcdonald i that's what my point is i don't know all the backstory but he the person that is ray is, croc yes is the name really ray croc yeah k-r-o-c not like crocodile that's such a cool name <laughs> all right last but not least (laughs) stan lee who is a co-creator of many comics including spider-man black panther x-men the list goes on he wrote his first comic at 39 and how many of them have you read negative how dare you negative 100 how dare you (laughs) i'm not a comic person but i watched wandavision it's true that's it i'll never see a comic movie but you have friends yeah. that you can go see them with. Yeah, that's true. Unless they make WandaVision into a movie. But they probably won't. Because it's feel already like a show. You, I feel like if I could give you an Avengers cut of just the scenes with Scarlet mm-hmm. Witch, if I was like, this is just Scarlet Witch, this is everything you need to know mm-hmm. about Scarlet Witch, I think then you you would watch that. Which would probably be about an hour. Yeah. Well, most well, here's of her the scenes were like two minutes. Maybe this isn't a good thing to go out on, but I'll I'll be brave and say it. I totally believe that, you know gender is a construct all the girly stuff that i like I is just, I a nurture thing not a nature thing this is going. but when there's movies that are just very boy i just hate them what and i think it's because not it's actually not really gender it's more just because i'm so gay and if there's just boy oh, stuff oh you mean if it's just like guys in like tights like fighting stuff yeah you don't like it. In WandaVision, in WandaVision, the scenes, I don't want to give any spoilers, but the scenes where there's basically two male characters fighting 
uh-huh. in the finale. Oh, yeah. I wanted to turn it off. You were bored. I can't stand so watching. So superhero movies for you are difficult because there are too many men. Is that- yeah. Well, I also <laughs> have a bit of... Um, male facial blindness. Male facial blindness. So if there's characters that are like all white guys, I cannot tell them apart. They're Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans and Daniel Day-Lewis, who's... Any one Richard, of these people what's could the guy, be... What's the guy's name? Richard Stevens? <laughs> I have no da- idea. No, no, no. It's not Daniel Day-Lewis. He plays Iron Man. It's uh, Daniel Craig. No, that's James Bond. I could never... No, but I need this. to think of this name now. No, we Richard need to end Dreyfus. the episode. <laughs> no, I literally... I need to think of his name. <sighs> Hamlet Jr. <laughs> what is his name? Richard Char- Charlie Hamlet Jr. Rich- I'm so close. Oh my gosh. What is his name? They're screaming it. Stephen Richard Dawkins. What? Dawkins? (laughs) No, but his name is something junior. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Even I've heard of that person. I was close. Did you see what I was doing with Richard Dawkins, Stevens? Absolutely not. It makes so much sense to me. Okay, anyway. Was my hand stronger than yours? I think so. Honestly, off the rails. Anyway, I don't like... Like, if they're geared towards men, if they have a lot of vehicles in them, or military, or fighting, or superheroes, or anything that would be packaged into a young boy's Lego set, Mm -hmm. I hate it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to be controversial yet brave. Mm -hmm. Controversial (laughs) Controversial yet brave. Lizzie does not like superhero movies. Yeah, or a lot of other things. In the same vein. Like what? Give like, me another okay. controversial yet brave. Anything that is like out on the prairie in the plains. So when I just showed you that clip of Haley Steinfeld in True Grit, you That's were bored. what made me think of it. Wow. Grace just made me watch a little clip To of- show you how good of an actress Haley Steinfeld has always been ever since she was a kid. And I, I showed you a clip from True Grit with the dialogue. We should have been awestruck by the talent of this kid i was Haley steinfeld is the only part that i liked i could not handle the gray beige tone of the entire film you don't like western the movies. old men in it well i could like i like desert hearts <laughs> so basically what we're learning and listen i you have my full support it's literally it's not queer content for your consideration it's Queer content, or shut the fuck up. <laughs> Is that a fair assessment of your taste? Uh, no. Queer content. I like tons of straight or content. Or never call me again. No, what I like. Name straight content that you like. Okay, I love the um To All the Boys I Love Before series. Okay. It doesn't get straighter than that, but it's not boy. There's a couple boys in it. Right. Doesn't matter who they are. I mean, it's kind of campy. Yeah. I like camp. Yeah, that's love what it. I mean. So if it's campy, it's not the straightest thing ever. I'm trying to think of the straightest thing ever that I love. I mean, Titanic is probably my favorite movie of all time. But you also had a sexual awakening to Kate Winslet. Eh, a little. Honestly, just as much to Leo. Wow. Because he doesn't really read as boy. He That's reads as true. androgynous in that movie. That's a very, very good point. Yeah. I don't like, like, The Revenant. <laughs> it's not about Leo. It's about the... The bear. The baby face look. Oh, oh, sorry. No, 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 of Titanic. Oh, I thought you were like, it's not Leo's fault that I didn't like The Revenant. Oh, no, it is. It is Leo's fault yeah. that you didn't like The Revenant. Yeah. Because now I don't... You did nothing for you. No, but in Titanic, 
yeah. he truly looks like a lesbian. And right. many lesbians have posed as him since. Yeah, they have. In that movie. I mean, we know the the lead from uh, Below Her Mouth pretty much got the role because of um, yeah. cosplaying as Leo. Well, thanks so much for listening, my friends. I hope this was helpful, perhaps even motivational, and at least just a little entertaining. You know, we loved some of those spicy takes from Lizzie at the end. Thanks for joining us. This episode, again, brought to you by Can, though definitely not sponsored by them. <laughs> Lizzie, anything you want to say before we head out? No, I hope everybody has a great week. My apologies again to Disney Plus, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. In a sweet, old-fashioned way. My love for you is constant and new, no matter the change of...